Welcome to Realoran International Ministries Incorporated with Anne Elizabeth, where real people meet a real God. Welcome to Realoran. I'm so glad that you have joined me today for our continuing journey through marriage, divorce, and remarriage. There's so many components to marriage, and I'm sure that you're learning a lot. Let's take a look at marriage essentials. Number one, looking out for each other spiritually. That's really important. This was the attack from Satan on the first couple. We need to look out for one another spiritually and make sure that both of us are traveling on the same path, the straight and narrow path. And in order to look out for each other spiritually, we both need to be attending to God first. He needs to be number one priority in your marriage, or your marriage will not survive. Meaning, we can love God, but if we don't love God intelligently, we will not make it on this journey in life as a single person, or much less a married couple. And the thing to truly make it in marriage is for each person to put God as their number one thing in their life. Number one is God and the reading of God's word on a daily basis and to be a student of Christ and then to be a doer of what you've read. And if you do those things, you will be successful in life as a human being as a single person, and when you get married, you will be successful because you will be able to know when one is off the tracks. You know, a train, when it's going down the tracks, if it slides off, it has to slide back on, right, to continue, or else it just crashes and it's ruined. So when you see your mate slipping, you're able to bring them back, you know, and they need to get back into the Word. That's the number one place Satan attacks is he wants to take that daily word from you. And uh, we can see in Matthew seven thirteen through 14, Jesus is talking to us. He tells us to enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads into life, and few there be that find it. I did my life as a Christian, you know, uh, without the Word of God on a daily basis, and my life was a wreck. I mean, it looked good on the outside, but on the inside, it was a mess, you know. And it, when I found out the truth of life in 2001, when the Lord appeared to me and set the record straight, about the importance of reading his word every day and letting him teach me life every day. In John 6.45 it says, the prophets wrote, all will be taught by God. And when I, I took that seat and I put my life in gear and I haven't left that position, and my life, everything about my life has changed for the better. You cannot have a good marriage unless you have two people that want to serve Christ his way. We need to remember that Satan prowls around seeking whom he may devour. He's always coming back in to see if he can bring sin into your life and bring you into sin. And we're always having to obey God and resist the devil. That's just part of life, like breathing. You know, we breathe. 
And we need to, to learn that this is just earth life to, to resist sin and to embrace righteousness. And when we fall, we need to apologize and get back in line. First Peter 5 8. Be sober, God is saying. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. Satan's desire for all humanity is their destruction and their eternal soul on fire next to his. My question is, are you both staying out of the world and keeping yourself pure? James 1.27, pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. But if you're a Christian that has one foot in church and one foot in the world, you're going to be split apart and it won't be good for you. You will be ruined you will come into destruction, for if you give Satan a place in your life, he will destroy the whole place of you. And so you want to make sure that you're living as God has commanded in the Bible. Are you feeding on the word of God on a daily basis? Matthew 4.4. 4. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Where do you base your life out of? If it's not out of the word of God and he's not priority number one and you're not seeking him first thing in the morning and taking in the word of God and letting him instruct you before you start your day, you're not going to have a good marriage. You're not going to have a good life. So change lanes. If one of you is weak, the other must be strong. First Thessalonians 5.14 Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. So if you see your spouse falling and, 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 and having a weary day or, you know, just down and outs, we, the strong one, is supposed to reach down and pull the weak one up. You know, and that's how marriage works. So uh, we know what to do when our spouse is down. We pull them up with, well, how do we pull them up with? the word of God, which is truth. We are to consider the other one more important than ourself. You know, we live in a selfish society where it's all about self and what can, what can I get out of this or what, what's in it for me, you know? And when we go into marriage, we need to understand that God has put us with that spouse to help them, to support them, to assist them, to bring good to them all the days of our life. And we are to consider them more important than ourselves. Marriage is not to be a selfish union. Marriage is to be a union of two mature adults who consider the other more important than themselves. Philippians 2.3 Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than themselves. How many wars in marriages would end if that was the case? So if you're tired of your marriage, change lanes underneath the obedience of Christ. We are to love the right way in marriage. Some believe love is about getting 
while others know it is about covenant, both giving and receiving. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 13 tells us that. You know, when you come into marriage, you're going to be giving and receiving. It's like a fountain, giving out and receiving, bringing in, you know. If you have just one that's selfish and doesn't do anything for the other, that's not going to work. But you know, before you get married, you want to make sure that you know who you're marrying. Amen. It was amazing. I was studying Jewish uh, culture, and I came across something very interesting. Before a Jewish couple got married, they had what is called a marriage contract. They spelled out exactly what the wife would be getting in the marriage and what the wife would be getting in case the husband died and what the wife would be getting in case of divorce. And it spelled out exactly what everybody agreed upon called a marriage contract, which in our generation uh, would be called a prenuptial. I think it might be a good idea. The fourth thing here is sex, sexual enjoyment. Sex was made for marriage and is to be enjoyed as a gift from God. Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Proverbs 5, 15 through 19. Drink waters out of thy own cistern and running waters out of thy own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad in rivers of waters in the streets. Let them be only thy own and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind in pleasant roe. Let her breasts satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. God has instituted sex, and sex in marriage is a beautiful creation that God has given humanity. If you do not want to have sex, do not get married, because you do have sexual responsibility. Neither the husband or the wife is to withhold sex from the other. This is stated for us in 1 Corinthians 7, 3-6. through 6. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife has not power of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband has not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and to prayer and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for inconstancy. But I speak this by permission and not of commandment. So when you come together, you know, some people have sex fights. Well, if I don't get my way, you're not, you know, getting sex, you know. God says this is not to be the case. I don't think people that are not mature should be getting married. I think that marriage is made for people that are mature and understand marriage. So before you get married, understand marriage. Sexual abstinence. You may refrain from sex 
by mutual consent for a time agreed upon for fasting and prayer. Then come together, not allowing Satan to tempt you for lack of self-control. You know, if you're married and, and, and your wife or your husband doesn't ever want to have sex, you know, that's going to make it harder on that mate. And you're not to do that in marriage, per God. First Corinthians 7, five. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to prayer and fasting, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontensity. But I speak this by permission and not of commandment. Now we're going to look at divorce. What about divorce? It is a topic and it is something that goes on on a daily basis. The definition of divorce is a legal ending of a marriage. Does God like divorce? No. He has recorded this for us in the book of Malachi 2, 13 through 16. He said he hates divorce and he hates the way that people treat each other. But does God allow divorce? Yes, he does. Matthew 19, 3 through 8. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, or two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder, put down. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? He says unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. So, let's travel on. Are there allowable reasons for divorce? Yes. Matthew 5, 31 through 32. Jesus is speaking. It has been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for, except for, the cause of fornication, that sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced commits adultery. Matthew 19.9 And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, that's sexual immorality, and shall marry another, commits adultery. And whoso marries her, which is put away, does commit adultery. So let's look at fornication. The Greek word is pornea. Interesting, isn't it? Even pornography goes into that category. You know, when a man or woman is a porn addict or they engage in pornea, por uh, sexual immorality that way, that is a cause for divorce, according to Christ. 
The definition of pornea is illicit sexual intercourse, adultery, homosexuality, lesbianism, intercourse with animals, etc. Meaning, you are allowed by God to divorce on the grounds of your spouse committing fornication. You know, we see so many Christian women and their husbands are porn addicts. Are they to stay in union with this over and over through the years? Does God expect that? No. Jesus has told us that we can get a divorce for fornication, that sexual immorality. So you do not have to stay married to a porn addict. You have more value than that. Are there unallowed reasons for divorce? Yes. You are not to divorce your spouse just because you feel like it. 1 Corinthians 7, 10 through 11. And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. So when you get married and you say, well, it's been so many years, I'm tired of him, I'm tired of her, it doesn't matter. That's not a good reason for divorce. Mark 10:12. And he saith unto them, Jesus, whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another. So I'm tired of this, I'm tired of that, I'm going to marry the guy at the office, I'm going to marry the girl at the club. Jesus is speaking. And you marry, you divorce that one and you marry another. He says, now you're an adulterer. And you know, we can fast forward on the end of adultery is eternal fire. That is found in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Not a good idea. It's commandment number seven. Do not commit adultery. Adultery even goes further. Do not look at a woman and lust after her, a forbidden desire. I want to have sex, you know. We're not to do that either. But when you take a marriage down to marry another, Jesus calls that adultery. And if a woman shall put away her husband, she wants nothing to do with him, and be married to another, she commits adultery. Those are hard crimes. We need to repent, change lanes into the obedience under Christ. Luke 16, 18, whosoever puts away his wife and marries another commits adultery, and whosoever marries her that is put away from her husband commits adultery. So everybody's guilty now in the eyes of the judge, and his name is Jesus Christ. And we can see in Galatians 5, 19 through 21 that people that commit adultery and die in adultery or they commit fornication, uh, sexual immorality, and they die in that and look at God, they're sent into eternal damnation, hell, and then it's flushed into the lake of fire. God wants to avoid that for you. He wants you to change lanes today. If you find yourself in a mess, confess your sins to God and allow Him to forgive you, lead you to repentance, wash you clean, and begin again. It's never too late to begin again. Oh, but God, it's such a mess. How can you straighten my marriage out at this point? God can do anything. God can do anything. There is nothing impossible for God. So God expects us when we get married to stay married until when? Death. That's a long time. 
So when you're at the altar and your spouse, you're looking at your spouse, it's supposed to be a union until death separates you. Romans 7, 2 through 3. For the woman which has a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he lives. But if the husband be dead, see, death, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband lives, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Example, the father of our faith, Abraham. We can see where he journeyed through life with, with God and Sarah, right? And Sarah died. And what happened? Well, he married another woman named Keturah. And that was legal and approved by God. So you are free to remarry after the death of your spouse. But this person must be a Christian. God expects you to marry a believer, not an unbeliever. 1 Corinthians 7.39 the wife is bound by the law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. And in the Lord means you've made your exchange from the world, you've come to the cross, and now you live in the kingdom of God. So you need to marry a Christian that is in the kingdom of God. Can I biblically remarry after my spouse has divorced me? Good question. Yes. If the divorce was not based on your fornication. Matthew 19, 3 through 9. You can check that one out. It's very, very good stuff. If you find yourself in a mess, confess to God. Ask Him, Lord, please clean me up. Show me the right way. I want to open up your book. I want to know life. I want to know you. And I want to do things your way. I want to change lanes today. What about fighting? You know, fighting is caused from not getting your needs or desires met. And basically, the root of fighting is communication. Communication is essential in a marriage. And it is essential and vital in every relationship. Speaking with respect clearly and with a soft tone eliminates a bad response or no response at all. You know, it's how we say things and it's how we communicate. And we need to listen. Listening is of extreme importance as when we're listening, we can be focused on what the person is truly saying instead of what we think they're saying. So when you're talking to somebody, be fully present and listen to them. Because many people, as somebody else is talking, they're thinking what they're going to say. And so they're not hearing a word that person says. And so that communication is not whole. It's broken. And the key to, to a joyful relationship is communication. And even if when that person says something to your spouse, says something to you, you can repeat it and validate. I hear what you're saying. Maybe you're saying you don't like me to leave the dishes in the sink for three days. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying. See? And you can talk about what's bothering you. 
and really be fully present and listen to the other person. Proverbs 15, 1-2 A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools pours out foolishness. Let's go into domestic violence for a second. Does God approve of physical and verbal abuse? No. 1 Peter 3, 8 through 12. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing uh, in calling for calling, but contrarywise blessing knowing that you are there unto called, that you should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew, resist evil, and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open into their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. We need God. And so we need to live the way that God will help us and not resist us. Amen. So we need to have respect for one another and we need to communicate. We need to communicate to each other with respect. Counseling. Counseling is a good thing if the counselor is a Christian. If the counselor is a person that reads their Bible and counsels out of God. Otherwise, you're going into a counselor's office that is void of God. And if you're void of God, who are you full of? The devil. And so you want to avoid, avoid a worldly counselor because they're not going to help you because only in Christ is life and in Satan is death. And so you want to avoid an ungodly counselor. And there's many counselors out there that think they're Christian, but you can say, how do you do your counseling? What is your approach? Well, my foundation, I counsel out of the mighty counselor, the word of God, and then you have a counselor. Otherwise you have more research to do and to find a counselor because it's good for people that can't communicate, they can't resolve to go into a Christian counselor. And if uh, there's violence uh, being done to you or your children, you need to seek protection. You need to secure protection for yourself. And the offender needs desperately to seek biblical counseling and restructuring only when this occurs is it safe for you to cohabitate. God does not expect you to stay married to an abuser. God does not expect that. You need to depart and you need to let God secure your life and protect yourself and your children. And so counseling is God instituted and needed in some circumstances. So you do not need to hesitate to seek professional godly counseling. Matthew 18, 15 through 17, Jesus is speaking. 
Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more. See, you're, now you're, you can't get along, the two of you, so now you're adding to that marriage and you're bringing in a Christian counselor. That in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. So if you're married to somebody that just will not work with you on your marriage, will not go to counseling, will not go to the church, God has given you an exit right there. So what about the children? What? How do the children play out in this marriage? Well, children are to be under submission to their parents. So we have God, we have Christ, we have man, we have woman, we have children. They are to be in submission to the parent. The parent is to have rule over the children. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. What about the in-laws? What about the mother-in-law? What about the father-in-law? Good question. In-laws are not to control your marriage. The couple must separate themselves as a couple. The in-laws must respect this unit as godly and as one. This is stated in Genesis 2.21-25. through 25. Ephesians 5.31 reads, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. So your in-laws need to respect the institution that God made, called marriage in your decision to marry each other under God. And if they don't respect that, then you need to have healthy boundaries there and make and communicate those to them. Matthew 19, 4 through 6, Jesus is speaking. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother there's the in-laws he will leave the he will leave his parents and he shall cleave to his wife or cleave to your husband and they twain those two shall be one flesh wherefore they are no more twain two but one flesh what therefore god has joined together let no man put asunder let no man break it and destroy that what about finances well, we need to remember the line of authority, of submission. We need to know that there's God, there's Christ, there's the husband, the wife, and the children. So if the wife wants to go out and buy a new uh, new car, she doesn't just get in the old car and come home with a new car and say, Honey, I, I purchased a new car. I mean, that's not submitting to your husband. You need to discuss and communicate with your spouse what you're doing. And... Get permission to do that. Well, what about work? Who should work, the husband or the wife? Well, the husband, 
according to scripture, should be the provider of the home, 1 Timothy 5.8. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. The wife may work subject to the husband's permission. You're under authority, the wife is, right? So you need to say to your husband, I'd like to get a job. What do you think? All this needs to be worked out before marriage. It's the best place to do that. But if you're already married, you can start over and change lanes. Amen? So what about household chores? Well, it depends on who is working outside of the home. If the wife is at home, she should attend to the household chores. If the couple is both working, they should decide. If the couple has children, they should definitely be giving jobs to do around the house. So what about friends? That's a very interesting thing, isn't it? We as Christians are not to be intimately involved with unbelievers. We are commanded by God to use wisdom in all areas of fellowship. Bad company corrupts good morals. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Watch your friends. We are to be the influence to all men, leading them to salvation. Matthew 5.13 You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Enjoy marriage. Good night. Realeron International Ministries Incorporated appreciates all of its faithful covenant partners and wishes each and every one of you a beautiful life with Jesus. Please visit Realeron today at www.realeron.org.